The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi and welcome power. to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Mac and I and joining me as co-host, as always, I feel he's itching for a bitching tonight. He's a little bit sombre. We're talking with Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? How you going, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, great. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm very well. And yourself? <laughs> Not bad, actually. I, I thought I'd try and throw you off. Did it work? <laughs> Always. Always. I'm excited. My, my good mate uh, <laughs> is on the show tonight, too, so it should be very exciting. That's it. Back on the podcast, we're speaking with Big Crazy Big Owl. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Macca. What's wrong with me? Why can't you say hello to me? Oh, hello, Rick. I don't want to make you feel left out. You're That's better. Upset. You're you're still upset about Jasper's. That's okay. I'll don't give you a cuddle. You gotta behave yourself, or you don't come back on the show. Macca makes out he's got the power. Macca thinks he's got the power, but everything has to be run by me eventually. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Good to have you on, mate. Good to hear those dulcet tones. Oh, thanks, mate. I don't know if I don't know if two of our dopey dulcet tones work well on the one podcast but you're back for a second time so something must be right that's right look before we get started i think it's pretty important to spend a couple of moments talking about um something that's that's very very sad it's the passing of one of our long-time big footy forum members in natman um he was a wonderful port adelaide supporter and someone who posted on our forum for 10 years he's quite a, a straight down the line fellow in his posts uh, but also had a, a, a very dry sense of humour, a, a fantastic self-deprecating sense of humour. He was a big supporter of our forum and, and put money towards all three of our player sponsors, as well as the foundation sponsorship in 2001 as well. And because of that, a, a number of us on the forum got to meet Natman um, and get to know him on a, a bit of a personal level as well. Boys, what are your thoughts, mate? Very sad. Of course it's sad. It's um, sad when... Anyone passes away, but he's he's one of our own, isn't he? You know, and he's, he was a valuable contributor to the board. And and like you said, uh, I didn't meet him in person, but I had a few private conversations with him, and uh, and he never let let slip of uh, any of his predicaments. So he kept it to himself, and you know, but he was a great contributor and, and highly valued. And I was very shocked and uh, disappointed uh, to see the Ford write that. So uh, I my condolences go out to all his family at this point in time. Indeed. Yeah, no, it was pretty sad. Like for a number of years, he's been there and reading his posts um, has been, yeah, something that um, I enjoyed. Um, he always was, yes, as Macca said, straight down the line. So it is very sad. Uh, I was complete shocked, completely shocked when it um, was posted there by Ford. So, yeah, my condolences go out to him and his family. Well, his family, yeah. All right, well, let's have well, a moment still- silence for, for Netman. Uh all right, well, let's get on to our love and hate, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around Port Adelaide this week. Um, crazy big hour, mate. I'll start with you. What's your love and hate? Um, I love that um, Like we were basically a man down on the weekend and um, uh, for probably three quarters went down and we were still able to keep on fighting. Um, so, yeah, I love, I love that we were able to um, still stay in the contest um, even when we were rotation down for three quarters of the game. Love that one. And your hate? Um, 
that we are still not seen as a genuine like premiership contender. Like, I don't know what we can do. We've beaten Geelong, Fremantle, Hawthorne. We can only play who we play against. And people keep on saying that, um, like, we're not a genuine threat. Like, they don't honestly see us as a genuine threat. And even when we played um, Sydney at the SCG, they had one player out in Tippett. And um, that's why it's so close. Like, I just don't understand why people can't give us credit. I'm not saying we're going to win the flag. I hope we do. But I just don't think we're getting enough respect. No, that's fair enough. That's something that a lot of us have have uh, had a bit of an issue with. And I don't know. In the end, I think the respect will come. All we've got to do is keep winning, you know, keep playing against who we're playing and, and doing a good job. And the respect will come in time, I think. Yeah, well, I hope so. That's it. Rick, what about you, mate? What's your love and hate? I loved our courage and endeavour and our never-give-up attitude. I, I thought, you know, even though we lost and we, we don't like losing, I thought there was a magnificent attribute from the, the game on Saturday. Yep. And your hate? Uh, I'll say it very quickly so I can get three in, in one hit. Uh, Mitchell bumping, Pittard haters, and uh, the bloody Victorian bias would fix string. And again, now the rumour is that Bulldogs and North Melbourne will get the Easter Friday game. Sick of it. Sick of the underwhelming teams playing. And it needs to be proper blockbuster games. And as I posted today, I reckon they should do reward the top eight teams every year with the with the blockbuster fixtures and distribute the tickets from the great gates to all 18 sides for equalisation but at least that way you're rewarding the teams that make the finals from the previous year, which will give you better fixtures. Yep, absolutely. Got to agree with that. I don't know why, just on the fixturing, I don't know why they don't do a rolling fixture like they do in, say, the EPL. And we've got it in the last round in the AFL where they, they decide on the time slots um, about a month out or something like that. I don't know why we don't do that sort of a month ahead. No, mm. Well, from my understanding is that they... Um, the actual TV rights want these big games. That's why on Friday nights, generally at least one Victorian side will be in the team, um, in the um, game each week, and like they want the big blockbuster games on their preferred time slots. That's what I, from what I understand. Yeah. Well, it's apparently it's because Victorians will only watch Victorians, and um, I think if we go back way back in time. I, th- I think it might have been even back like in 2005 or something where they, um, I remember reading they had a, a showdown on Saturday free to air and uh, at night time and it was a big TV rating fizzer um, because uh, back then, you know, Victorians, anyone watched Victorian teams. But I, I think that mentality might be shifting. And I mean, let's face the facts. If you were a Victorian and you had to weigh up two games and one of them was Port Sydney or... Essendon and Melbourne, really, if you're a neutral observer, which game would you rather watch? And if, if it's really Essendon-Melbourne, man, they've got to take it with themselves. Absolutely. My love for this week is the fact that we just kept on coming on the weekend. You know, we, we, we always say we'll never, ever give up, and we didn't. You know, it was so close to stealing it at the end. Um, we just never drop our heads, and we can always believe that we're in the game. Um, in years gone by, I think, you know, when Franklin kicked some of those goals in the last quarter, we would have dropped our heads and... We would have thought that getting back to even in the last quarter was good enough, and we would have still lost by sort of four, five, six, seven goals in the end. But not this group. We fought it out to the end. Also, we made some mistakes, and it's definitely a game that we could have won. Um, and I was definitely gutted after the siren. I, I just had a great sense of pride in this group that, yes, we are good enough to take it up to every single team in the league this year. 
good call. And sometimes we, sometimes we can learn more from our mistakes than what we do from the victories. Absolutely. And my hate this week, it's just another week with another injury to a key player. Um, and whilst Hartlett might not miss a game, um, having a fit hammer on the weekend who wasn't limping around for two quarters before being subbed out would have been a huge weapon on Saturday and one that we definitely missed. Mm. Let's go straight into our AFL review. It's our second loss for the year, this time only by four points. Uh, we lost to Sydney 13 goals 16 to 14 goals 14. Uh, the multiple goal scorers, uh, Jay Schultz had four, Gus Monfries kicked three, and White and Wingard kicked two each. Uh, Crazy Big Al, you're at the game on the weekend, mate. Do you want to give us a quick overview? Okay. Um, well, we started out um, not great. Like, they got out of the blocks a bit with some um, pretty strong um, play and uh, got out to a quick couple of goal lead. And I was thinking, oh, crikey, I'm in for a long day here because um, they, were, they were pretty uh, aggressive at the contest and their, their pressure was pretty immense to start with. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a long day. But we're able to wrestle it back a little bit. I think... Um, I'm not a guy that likes to, say, blame the umpires, but we were getting a bit hosed on the weekend. Um, we had some really quite poor calls, especially um, Wanda Franklin just in front, um, which he didn't end up slotting, but I'm not sure how that was high. To pull a guy's Guernsey and get done for a high, I don't understand how that works, but mm. it happens. Um, but the um, players that um, I saw play really well now um, – Lobie was absolutely immense. He was a beast out there uh, getting us first use to the ball in the midfield. Um, uh, Robbie Gray, I'm not sure if that guy can do much more. He is so uh, composed under pressure with the ball underneath, like under his feet. He's able to get that ball out and extract it like um, only a few that uh, play the game. So he was amazing. And then the gut running that um, Ebert had, my goodness, he was phenomenal. Like incredible. He, it's incredible because he's in, he's like in the halfback flank, and then the next minute he's getting the ball in the forward pocket. I'm like, this bloke, he just can't, he doesn't stop. He's like the Energizer Bunny, just keeps on going and going, and like he must be spent. Uh, like, but that extra fifty meters that he gets himself in a position to make a contest, uh, to get the ball in his hand. And he just keeps on doing it. It's repeat efforts. Like, it's not just once or twice a game. He does it about 20 or 30 times. And even if it's just a layer shepherd, like, it's just amazing and something that um, it's true Port Adelaide. He does it for his teammates. So he was fantastic. Um, I thought um, Jack Homsch, like, people are panning a bit, but um, his rebounding and defense I thought was um, pretty good. uh, there was a couple of players that were a bit down um, on the weekend, and uh, like I'm not sure whether Mitchell's going to be in our um, team come finals time. I just think that uh, he, his decision making is um, not great, and he doesn't have a good um, like once he gets the ball, like his disposal is poor. He um, and under pressure, it's even worse. So. Um, I'm not sure whether he's someone that will come in finals. Um, You're thinking he'll yeah. be struggling, in, especially with guys like Pollett coming back and maybe Andrew Moore, um, Benny Newton knocking on the door as well. I mean, there'll be plenty of other players to take his spot, you would think, come finals time. 
Yeah, and the other one um, is um, Jasper. Now, I know Rick has a bit of burning, a bit of chubby there for Jasper, and he is a good player, um, but I'm not sure whether playing him in the back half is, is the best move for him. Now, um, he reminds me a lot of Adam Kingsley in the sense that you don't play him in the back pocket or, or um, on the back um, when he can call The television replay doesn't do justice for what he was actually actually doing because he would hold on to the ball far too long and wouldn't get to the first option. Like on the weekend, the television doesn't pan to the people that were free that he could have passed the ball to, but he doesn't like he does. He is good offensively for us. And like, he's been a part of two or three goals on the weekend. I won't doubt that, but I'm not sure whether him playing in the back lines is best for us. So um, I'm thinking that, like, if they're going to persist with him in the back lines, he might not need to go back to the Maggies for a couple of weeks, get some confidence, and then come back into the side. So that's my weekend. But I really like that the boys kept on fighting it out for the week. Absolutely. What do you reckon, Rick? I think um, I think the game can, when it's so close as a result, uh, the game can be defined in moments. I mean, if it's a 40-goal drubbing, um, you know, you can... A lot of things, but when we lose by four points, we start looking at key moments in the game um, to see what what went wrong and what could have been done or done better or what's cost us. And um, clearly, we didn't like Sydney's congestion in the first quarter. Uh, we really struggled with it. They had mass numbers around the ball. That would be right, wouldn't it, Al? Yeah, that was that was the like, there was like big swarms. It was like a rolling mall at points. Yeah, yeah, and look, that's that's Sydney style, isn't it? But what I what I thought we we hung in with the game, um, you know, and it took us a little bit to adjust. And and I was saying during the uh, in uh, during the week uh, on on some of the replies to people uh, where they were like, how could we not be uh, full throttle from the get go? I guess we played some lesser teams leading up to this game, and it doesn't matter what person you are, those teams with lesser intensity. Uh, will decrease your intensity without realising. So when you step it back up again uh, to a higher intensity game, um, that's going to take a little bit of time to adjust to. And it made me think about the advantage that maybe the Sydney, the Hawthorns and the Geelongs have had over the last five years and to a lesser extent Collingwood. Um, you know, they're playing a lot of high intensity games. So if you go, if you think of Power Freak and Russell Lieber Handball, they're talking about their high twitch fibres, so to speak. Those teams are really in tune with those sort of games. So for, for us as a, a lesser side coming up, there's still an adjustment period. And so Ken's done really well uh, to get these boys so quickly to play to that higher intensity um, on a regular basis. So, and I think the next evolution of our side to pick that up, and, and they showed that against Sydney on the weekend. But after that, the first... Um... I actually just to cut in there. I I might yeah. be on my own here, but I actually thought we soaked up that pressure uh, that pressure pretty well in the first quarter. Yeah, absolutely, and we we still had a uh, we still were attacking our own in our own way in that first quarter. It was very inefficient, and it's something you've brought up numerous times, and I've complained about too. Um, you know, very efficient and poor delivery, especially in that first quarter. But uh, after the first quarter, I think we really dominated um, Sydney. Uh, Possession-wise, yep. we re- we really brought it back by half-time. It was level. Um, by the end of the game, we were winning the key stats. Now, if I if I just go to those moments and the stats for one minute, um, the stat that I think 
where we lost it, even though we won all the stats, Sydney had twenty about 20 more one percenters than what we did. And I think when you break it down, I think those one percenters were probably the difference between winning and losing against the two sides. And I'm not going to take anything away from Sydney. They won and well done to them. But um, we kicked seven goals 11 in the last half to their eight goals two. Yep. Right? Now, if we want to pick out moments of composure, um, you know, we've got the, the mutual lack of tackle or bump yep. uh, that we've spoken about at ad nauseum on the forum. And I was very strong with my views and I still am. I thought I went back and looked at the first half again and Kane had a very strong first half, but that lack of tackle to me, I thought was more protectionism more than anything from Kane. And that's very unport Adelaide as far as I'm concerned. And, and I don't actually... be a little bit of hyperbole, but um, you know, that sort of mistake can cost someone an AFL career for a fringe player. I think so. Um, look, I honestly would drop him for that, just to, as a as a role, as an example, that this isn't tolerated by our players at all. And I, I know I could be talking about something that's very harsh, but, I mean, I don't want to bang on about Pittard or, or other people that make mistakes because people taking the game on, you can sort of live with that. But when you're trying to protect yourself, that's very um, lonely-ish, isn't it? I've got a thing here, sort of why did we lose, what didn't we do well? And definitely number one was silly mistakes with and without the ball. I mean, we've spoken about Mitchell's non-tackle. There was four or five brain farts from Pittard. Uh, Loby, Mitchell and Westhoff missing really crucial shots at goal in the last quarter, um, which you just have to nail. And Carlisle's decision not to go at Franklin um, and try and corral him, which led to him kicking a couple of goals as well. We pretty well cost ourselves the win just with those silly errors. Um, and kicking four goals six in the last quarter um, when we had ten shots to four. Um, I thought we controlled that last quarter pretty well. Um, they hit us on the rebound a few times, but we played it mostly in our forward half. Um, you know, we had a big chance to win and we just blew it. Simple as that. Um, the other thing that um, I thought we didn't do too well was our inability to counteract their running defenders. Um, Nick Malcheski and Reese Shaw had 57 touches and 16 rebounds between them. Um, I thought they really led the way for the Swans. Um and I didn't think we made the most of our centre square dominance either. I mean, we won the hitouts convincingly. We won the clearances convincingly. We had more inside 50s. Um, but I didn't really think that our forward 50 entries were all that clean. Um, Sydney did a great job in outnumbering our contests in the forward line. Um, and also similar to Freya, I thought that there was a number of times in the game where we had these sort of quick snaps at goal with uh, a couple of swans sitting on their own in the goal square. Um, just mopping up an easy chest mark and running it out again. And that happened probably five or six times. This is a question for our Macca. One thing that did annoy me, and I wonder if he knows that the game, I know I noticed the Swans are becoming quite the pushy team. Yeah, there is. there, there was a lot of that, um, especially... Um, like uh, coming into the, like the contest just beforehand, they'll just shove them. Like you, it, it happened all game, and it was something that the guy sitting next to me actually was mentioning it. So um, yeah, it was something that I noticed um, during the game. I hadn't been aware of it in probably the first quarter. Like I saw there was a bit of it, and then um, the guy sitting next to me actually did mention that um, they are pushing us out of the contest a lot, and our guys didn't really stand. Um, like that pressure, like they allow themselves to get pushed far too often to get themselves out of that contest. And that just half out of the contest allowed them to, uh, the Sydney players, um, particularly in our forward half, to get the ball and rebound. 
like um, as you were saying about Shaw and Malczewski um, and um, and uh, McVeigh as well, they had it on a string at one stage. I was just shaking my head going, oh, my goodness, like it's either one of those three rebounding out of the back half, and it happened quite regularly. So we've spoken about what we uh, – sorry, go on. I was just going to ask Al as well. Did the ground actually get slipperier as the game went on? Did it start chopping up or something? Because I know it seemed to be the third and fourth quarters around the edge of the square, especially the camera side of the ground. Um, players seemed to be slipping over a lot more as the game went on compared to earlier in the game. Well, not that I could notice because I was down one particular edge. So I I didn't notice much like that at all. But, um, yeah, so it looked like a, a pretty... Damn good ground, actually. So, yeah. Mm. We did fall over a lot. <laughs> it's got to be said. We, we did. did. We did slip over um, at least a couple of dozen times. Well, um, like, in saying that, before the game, probably, it was raining up till about an hour and a half before the game. Okay. So, like, it would have been wet under underfoot, but um, I, didn't, I thought it had drained pretty well, but it still may have been soft. So, therefore, um, that could have been the reason. But I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary, really. Well, we've spoken about um, some of the reasons why we lost. But what were some of the things that we did well? Because we did only lose by under a kick. We had plenty of chances at the end there. Um, we almost took a big mark in the last second to win the game. And um, What were some of the things that we did well? Well, I found that we just kept on fighting. We didn't care that... Um, didn't matter what was happening. We just kept on fighting and just kept on grinding it out. And um, once we absorbed that pressure from that first quarter, we were able to get a bit, a bit back more on our terms and play our style of football. Um, that's what I found that we did well and that we were able to um, link up through the middle and um, get the ball on the rebounds. So, uh, yeah, that's what I felt that we did well on the weekend. Okay. And yourself, Rick? Yeah, I thought our contested possession was a lot better than previous weeks. Um, you know, we really extracted the ball uh, a lot better and we did try and take on our running game against them and, and I thought we actually were the fitter side and you could see that we were physically fitter and stronger than them, especially once the game started opening up after the first quarter. Um, so therefore, and as you pointed out before, we really dominated that last quarter um, and it, it's sore. You could just tell the whole vibe of the game, and really it was just, you know, Sydney executively in their moments in the last quarter just to keep themselves in front, and, and we didn't, but uh, we were really on top of them, and it sort of backed in what we said in the preview. Um, we do have the superior, I think, we have the superior speed and fitness to Sydney, and, and I think the boys still showed that's the case. We uh, Robbie Gray was massive in that second quarter in the clearances in the middle, uh, which really went a long way to keeping us in, in the game and getting us to lead. Um, you know, Brad Ebert was monumentally huge in all aspects of his game. Again, one of the key drivers to keeping us in the game. And, and as you pointed out, I thought Matty Lobie in the ruck was fantastic. And, and after the first quarter, he just dominated. And again, that was part of the reason that we were so good in the clearances. And I'm very optimistic about the return leg of this. And as you know, Macca, I've maintained this the whole time. I'm judging our performance against Sydney over the two legs, yep. not the one leg, because Absolutely. the SCG is a massive advantage. Indeed, definitely it is. I've loved our mm. attack of the contest. Um, even though we weren't as clean with the ball, 
Um, I really loved what we were able to do to win it. Um, I liked our ability to wrestle back control of the game a couple of times, especially when it looked like um, it may have gotten away from us. Certainly at the start of the second, we got back into the game. We kicked three goals in a row at the end of the third and the start of the fourth quarter um, when it looked like the game was getting away from us a little bit during that third quarter. And, of course, that last-minute rush in our forward line as well um, where we were able to, to give ourselves a, a big chance of winning it in the last 10 seconds. Um, and I really loved the job that we did on some of their ball winners. I mean, Kennedy had his lowest uh, possession total for the year. So did Parker. Hanabry had no influence on the game at all. Um, Jetta had, you know, not much influence either. We did some really good jobs on on some of their key players. Is it is it worth noting that Ebert actually played with Kennedy and sort of watched him and then ran off him? And uh, obviously, he really exposed um, Kennedy's accountability at the contest, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, I mean that's probably Ebert's best game of AFL footy. I thought he absolutely tore him a new one, to be honest. How was it at the ground? Did you pay much attention to the Kennedy Ebert contest, Al? Oh, I paid um, well. Um, I paid attention um, to because I didn't feel that like it wasn't a hard tag by any stretch of the imagination. He just played off of him. Yep. They played on each other basically at stoppages, and um, and that was the way I felt that um, they had the matchup. But um, I felt that uh, Kennedy had. Like, he had influence at points, but it was very minimal, and I was expecting, like, a display, and I thought that um, Ebert played him quite well at the stoppages and just exposed him for um, his two-way running, which isn't one of Kennedy's um, strong suits. He's just a big brute of a man that can, like, stand up in tackles and extract the ball, but um, Brad didn't allow him to play that style of game, but it was actually able to burn him the other way. So I thought Brad, yeah, as Macca said, was the best game that I've seen Brad play. So um, I thought it was, a, like, a monstrous effort, really. Well, look, we've heard about um, Al's top five already. What, what, who were your best players, Rick? Uh, look, I had Brad Ebert best on ground. I just thought he was fantastic. I mean, I'm not going to rattle off all the stats, but you know, he was just so influential. And he just ran the whole game uh, from beginning to end, and you, you can't do any more than that. He tried to will us over the line. Great captain's performance or vice-captain's performance. Robbie Gray was fantastic again. Uh, his centre clearance work, especially in that second quarter, was, was just outstanding and really drove us forward. Um, so hats off to Robbie. I thought Matty Loby really stood up, Mac. We've been pretty hard on him, on him this year, but I was very, very happy with his uh, around the groundwork. Yep. Um, you know, he was exceptional. Uh, Brody had a good, solid game. I was happy with how he played, and uh, it was good to see Jay Shield stand up um, against one of the stronger sides and kick multiple goals. Goals, and I, I thought he was a great forward for us. Yep, mine are very, very similar. My best player was uh, Brad Ebert. Huge game, best at AFL level, massive influence. Um, 40 touches and, and a goal. We had nine clearances as well. He just kept going and going. And that last half, he, as you said, he almost wheeled us over the line there. Uh, Robbie Gray, what can you say? He just keeps on going. You know, he didn't kick a goal this week, but he had a number of score involvements again and was just very consistent across all four quarters. Uh, Matty Loby, that was... Definitely his big game. You know, he followed up after his huge game last week and was even better this one this week. He had a couple of errors um, early and he missed that shot on goal. Um, 
but I thought his tap work was first class and around the ground he was fantastic. That was he had the most possessions he's ever had at AFL level. Um, so he's definitely uh, improving as the season goes on. Um, Schultze, four goals, a, a huge effort at the SCG. Um, and Gus Monfries, um, we do definitely miss him when he's out of the side. He's such a hard runner and just knows how to find it and, and where to run and, and where the goals are. He had a great game yesterday as well and, and kicked three goals. Um, so they were my best five players. Good call. We're very Ang- Angus had a great game. I guess the other thing to point out too is I really question whether Travis Boat should have played on Saturday. He, I thought he still looked injured, and um, you know he he uh, he was influential, but down on his normal output, and he still looked to be struggling to run. And yeah. surely we, we should be taking a no risk approach with Travis and, and just giving him another week off. Um, I would have thought that was the case. Um, in the second um, half, they played him a fair bit in the, on the forward flank. And when he wasn't in the contest, um, he was fairly still proppy, like just walking around. You could tell him that he had, still had some discomfort there. So um, I'm not sure whether it was the right move. It, but at the end of the day, can we trust? Uh, him and Virgo wouldn't have let him play if they didn't think he was up for it. But um, I still think he was a little underdone and could have done with the week off. But um, it is what it is, and we'll just move forward. And I just want to talk about one thing quickly before we move on. Um, and it's I'm not going to talk about the calls of how shit Jasper is or whatever else, uh, but I just, there's one thing I want people to take think about when they're asking uh, for this guy to be dropped, and that is um, the question for Jasper in relation to his improvement is going to be at the speed of the game. So that means he's only going to improve at this higher tempo speed of AFL football. If if people want him dropped to improve his game, his de- decision-making under pressure, dropping him to the SANFL isn't actually going to solve that because that's going to be a lower tempo game, which is going to be actually easier for him and actually it's not going to help him when it comes back. The only way he's going to improve his decision-making is in the AFL environment. And at the moment, while we're winning and winning well, uh, we can carry that to three. Um, in addition to that, it's um, we're in development phase with our team. Remember, we're pretty advanced for 2014 and probably a lot more advanced than what any of us expected to be. So uh, we're still trying to get development into our players, you, your Tom Jonas, your Homps, your Pittard, your Impey, um, you know, even your Matty Loeb, they're all in developmental stage. And so all these boys are only going to get better playing at the AFL level, not necessarily the SANFL level. Yep. Um, like, and, and I um, agree on the premise of that, Rick, and, like, I'll give you a hand off your soapbox now. But, um, like, in the sense of Jasper, do you honestly think that his best position is in the back line? Well, I'm not, and as I said earlier um, in the podcast, I think that he would be better suited on the wing um, or even in the um, on the half forward line because he can't cost us goals uh, with his um, with his decision making, and that's what they ended up doing. With, and I heart back on Adam Kingsley when Kingsley went from the back line to the midfield is when he was a better player. And I'm not sure that um, Jasper, with his decision-making, is right for a back line. 
Well, there's no, there's no. I'd argue there's no room for Jasper in our midfield at this point in time, and there's no room for Jasper in our forward line either. As I hop back onto my soapbox, um, <laughs> there is a role. There is a role for Jasper on our halfback line, and I think people are just. And this is Ford syndrome with Tommy Logan. There's always got to be one pe- person that people aren't happy with, and Jasper is the go-to guy. He, um, you know, I watched that first half again yesterday. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch the second half. Um, but he made no mistakes in the first half, right? That resulted in a goal. So everyone is so hypersensitive of Jasper making a couple of mistakes resulting in goals when there's plenty of other players that are also making similar mistakes. Um, you know, it's going to happen. That's what's called AFL football get put under pressure. And make a mistake results in a goal. That's credit to the opposition side. I mean, one of those turnovers from Jasper in the last quarter, as I put on the forum, was the fact that he could identify that Kane Corns was his first go-to player. He couldn't give it to Kane because Kane had Hannaby right on his clacker, right? If he handled it to Kane, Kane would have got tackled. He would have got given holding the ball. Uh, so he tried to and then he tried to go on and he couldn't got tackled by Franklin. Now, I mean, what do people want? Do they want him just giving, selling himself out of trouble to protect himself, giving it to the next player um, so the next player then gets nailed and looks like the culprit? You know, it's, that's not what we're about. We're about a team. And so he was looking after his teammate there, tried to find another option and he couldn't execute it because Buddy Franklin was too good and got him. I mean, that's going to happen, you know, and... Half the team was falling over and slipping over in this game. So, you know, I just think we all seem to be focusing on his mistakes, uh, not as much as positives, and we seem to be glossing over a lot of the other players that are making mistakes as well. And, again, we're in that developmental stage. We've just got to give it a bit more time. You know, if we're this time next year and he's just as bad, well, then I would agree. You know, then he's, he's had two good seasons, good consistency in, in trying to get a game in the you know. And if he's not improving in two seasons, in with content, yeah, let's give him a give him a bagging and maybe uh, trade him off or do something. But you know, he's been club. He's stuck by our club. He signed a three-year contract this year. Um, you know, he's Victorian that signed a three-year contract this year. Um, you know, he's being rewarded for his his pledge to the club and he's performing well. And his defensive abilities has improved fantastically. Um, you know, his tackling has got him immensely better. His reading of the play and intercepts a lot better. It's just that final decision-making, and I'm sure that's going to come over the next season or two. Good our podcast. Um, Maka, can you bookmark this for um, 2015, please? I can. So, so, and the, once we um, discuss this, and if he is in the same state, Rick will be um, championing the trading of Pittard um, uh, thread. So I'm just making sure that we can pod, uh, bookmark hey. this for future times. Hey, I have not I have been prone to putting up trade controversy before. Back in, <laughs> in 2008, I suggested we trade Chad Corns and Sean Burgoyne. I got land blasted for that one, but I still maintain that. So if I see it, I'll call it, that's for sure.
Alright, well let's go on to the SANFL and the Maggies had another hard-fought win on the weekend by 23 points against Woodville West Torrens at Albert and Oval. Uh, they won 18 goals 16 to 15 goals 11. Uh, Big Mason Shaw with his uh, with his b- uh, breakout game, he's kicked six goals one. Uh, Johnny Butcher has continued his goal-kicking run with three goals and uh, Brendan Archie and Tommy Logan kicked two goals each. It's wonderful to see that we, I think, is that nine on the trot for the boys? It is, yep. Yeah, beautiful start of the season um, after that uh, out-of-the-box um, loss to uh, uh, the Red Legs early on in the season to open up the um, SNFL season. But um, what I heard, I heard a little rumour that, because um, I don't get to see the games, that um, uh, Finney took some bloke out and has got a couple of weeks for it. He did, yep. He's got two weeks. It was a, a front-on bump um, on Chris Kane, who had to go off with concussion. There's actually video footage of it on the SANFL website um, with a couple of different uh, video angles of the bump. It was a pretty heavy bump. Um, looking at it, it's probably fair enough that he's got a week or two for it. Um, the fact that Brad Crouch uh, punched someone in the face and got one week for it, um, I, f- I think is pretty bloody ridiculous. But um, I think in Flinney's case, two weeks is arguably fair. And from all accounts... People, from wasn't he? Read- yeah, from reading um, the forum, like, he didn't even know that he'd kind of done something wrong. He's that, like, foreign to the game. Like, he was kind of... Uh, he apologised and, like, went to the umpires trying to ask what he'd done wrong. Like, um... Mm. So um, that kind of shows the naivety that he has for um, for the game, and that'll just come with time. But yeah. uh, when a it guy was a bloody huge hit, <laughs> it was a big bump. When a he's a big, bump. when he's a big boy, like he's not a small boy for an Irishman, um, but he's also doing it at such like ferocious pace. Yeah. Um, it, it's always going to end badly. So um, yeah. I'm glad that uh, the kids are right in a couple of weeks. He'll take his um, lumps and move on, I suppose. Absolutely. Could we get Flinney in against North Melbourne and he do, does that to Boomer Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need someone to do something to Boomer Harvey. But it was uh, looking at the stats, I was working. Um, we seem to be driven by three key midfielders this game, didn't we? It looks like it, yeah. I mean, Summerton had a massive game again. I mean, it's his McGeary to lose, really. He had 37 touches, 10 marks and a goal. 10 inside 50s, that's massive. Uh, Sammy Gray continued his good form with 35 touches and Benny Newton had 29 as well. Um, a little bit inaccurate with four behinds. Um, but he's, you know, he, he keeps on presenting himself for a, another AFL shot, which is great. It'll come. The the interesting thing for me is a couple of the lesser likes had had some bloody good games. I mean that was probably Brendan Archie's best game. He had twenty touches and ten marks and kicked two goals, including one late in the game. Um, and for someone that's playing in a forward pocket, that's some bloody good numbers there. Um, and Mason Shaw, that's his breakout game, um, six goals. That's a fantastic effort for someone so young. Yeah, it's magnificent. Absolutely. Like- like he was languishing in South Reserves last year and come in and play a couple of games for South Seniors, um, playing as a second ruck. And uh, it, I think that we would have seen a more of a development if he hadn't busted his wrist early on this season. So yep. it's going to be interesting to see how he develops and if he gets like a continuity of games with um, 
the lack of injuries, he could uh, develop, uh, definitely develop. We've got um, some exciting key position prospects um, down at the Magpies at the moment. We've got Harvey, who will become a good player once he gets a bit more of a tank. We've got Butcher, who, like you still say, he got three goals, but I think he still caught, kicked four behind. So he's two behind. Kicking, oh, two behind, sorry. Um, that goes for me to listen to somebody um, from South Australia today. But, um, <laughs> like... In that sense, like we've got some good key position players coming through, and people say that we've got issues there, but we do have some young talent coming through. So um, it will be um, like we do have some backups behind Schultz there, and I think that um, from what I understand of reading on the forums and the board, that um, Butch is still a, a fair way away from um, coming back to the senior team. Would that be right, Macca? You never know. I mean, there's plenty of people that still want him coming back every week and, and think we do need that third tall forward. I, I do agree with that. I think we do need a third tall up forward. Um, and with Butcher, I think it's just a case of him presenting, just continuing to present, continuing on uh, trying to improve his game and doing the bread and butter right, you know, making his leads, taking those marks, um, calming himself down and kicking those goals. And I think he did that on the weekend. He had a, he had a very good game. Um, and the one thing I really liked about Mason Shaw's game as well was that all his six goals came fairly different. You know, he, he took a big Mac, a big Mac, a big pack mark for one. Um, he had a couple on a lead. He had a couple of running shots as well. Um, so it shows his diversity as well. No, that's great. And um, yeah, now um, I was going to ask, how's um, now that he's had a bit of like fitness into him what's Nathan Cracker doing like how's he going down the magpies he's been very good you know he's been very consistent um could still lose a couple of kilos and get fitter um, but he's certainly playing well off that sort of back flank and, and doing a sort of a pitard job um whether he's redraftable I'm not too sure you know he's going to be 27 next year um I guess the main point is that do we actually need him at AFL level I don't think we do. Mm. Especially I'm, when we've got others like Burn Jones um, coming through the system as well off a back flank. Um, I mean, it, it would be good sort of experienced X Factor um, for, for a rookie list spot, maybe. Um, but I'm, I certainly wouldn't um, pick him up in the main draft. I think we've been thrown out this year by um, Jared Redden getting injured as well. Uh, it looks to me like we've really had a plan with Butcher. Give at AFL level and then go, look, this is what we want you to work on for the rest of the year and, and take no pressure approach with him. Um, you know, the calls, people are saying that Mason Shaw wanna, will be asking for more opportunities next year. To me, he seems a little bit farcical. He's only, it's only his second year in the, in the system, really. So first year is raw and this year he's still raw, as he pointed out, with his injury. So, I mean, again, for him and for Harvey, they're all... You know, Butcher should be coming on now, but the other two are still longer-term prospects. And really, you know, unless they're a Jonathan Patton type or, or Tom Boyd, they're probably not going to be in our AFL system in the seniors probably until maybe late next season because um, it's going to take a while for them to physically develop. But, um, I would hope Mason know. Shaw starts pushing for games later on this year and becomes a regular next year. Well, hopefully, but then I hope Jared Redden is pushing because, I mean, if we've got a choice between Shaw and Redden, who do we who do we take? Both. <laughs> well, can't who have do them we both? Side. Well, 
But yeah, you can. No, I think you probably could have both in the side. What? And, really? like, and like, that makes us too top heavy, mate. So I got to start. Not sure. Not sure. So, so you had another two tools, and who are you going to drop? Mitchell and Pittard. Play oh. most of your offer back flank, mate. It would be perfect. Now he's just trolling. Where's the cards? <laughs> we frack that Red guy. Mark. Where is Tango when you need him? Ah, uh, she's upstairs. <laughs> We're having a tiff. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, let's leave that there for now. Thanks for coming on, Crazy Big Hour. It was great to have you back on, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great to talk to you and uh, great to listen to uh, the fantastic Rick get off his get on and off his soapbox about Jasper. So um, I've had my Jasper fix for like the next millennium, so that's great. <laughs> that's it. Rick, as always, buddy, it's been fantastic. Is he a bit sad? He's upset now. You've upset him. He's got his bat and ball and gone home. He's gone to get Tango, I think. Here he is, he's back. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again, buddy. Thank you very much, and save the snakes. <laughs> that's random. That's very, very random. Come Barry White. <laughs> Barry White, save oh, the he's snakes. Oh, he's trying to be funny. Oh, he's oh. not doing that, Al. Okay. <laughs> Man, trying to be funny. What? <laughs> Come on now. That's not trying to be funny. That's funny in the context of our conversation. Come on, Al. Not particularly. Um, yeah, you know, the Simpsons episode, <laughs> Bashing Snakes Day. I know the reference. It's, yeah. it's a good reference. Barry White, save the snooks. Seabone now caught. Port Adelaide are beginning to build. Foster's kick is through half forward. Knocked away by Hodges. On the run is Rowan. 